It's good to see you guys again. Um, I'm looking for Josh. You said Josh is here, Kath? <laughs> They've come to Kingdom Life for the first time in two years, and they're with their kids in the back. You know, so it's <laughs> I guess it's Father's Day in the back, so Josh should be there. Um, well, if you see Josh and Amanda, say hi after the service. Um, wow. Um, you know, it's, it's, so, it's often the case in churches that... Um, that, that men are, le- are the leaders and um, you know, men have courage and leadership and you know, all these things and is all we can say about that. But you know, um, so often when the Lord moves, he moves through the woman in the church first. Um, and I'm just so, I'm so grateful for, um, well, you see it tonight, don't you, with Dawn and, with, and Amanda and just there's so many other women in this church. So I'm just so grateful to God for what he's doing. Um, in the woman in the church. So ladies, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Okay. Um, keep pressing in. Um, so, <laughs> as Amanda half-jokingly said, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, the advantage to this sermon series is that if you, you know, summer holidays, if you go away for a week or two, you come back and you feel like you haven't missed anything because we're still on the same topic. Um, but... Um, <laughs> Gosh, it, it might just be about me, you know, again, and not about you guys. Um, but, you know, I, I said to Amanda, you know, she asked what I was preaching on, and, and I've got some really what I think are great sermons lined up, you know, and, and, but, and God's been doing this over and over again, that, you know, I have a, I have a sermon on unity, and I have a sermon on obedience, um, and a couple of others, and, and he just, he keeps saying no to me. And I actually said to Kath today, I, I can't preach on the same thing again. And, um, and basically she told me to do what God said and don't worry what, what you guys all thought. So I'm listening to my wife um, and to God, which are strangely often the same. <laughs> Fortunately, uh, so pre-service prayers, um, we, we sat down to pray and uh, the first thing that, that Matt said, you know, he says, I, I feel like the Lord is saying we need to slow down. And... Um, and I just thought, you know, if we, if we go any slower, we'll be going backwards. But, um, but, I, but I take that, that word. That really is what I believe the Lord's saying. And so I, you know, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit some more tonight. Um, there, there, there's just some things, that, and, they, and, they, and they, they're small, but they're huge. Um, just things that I felt the Lord speaking to me this last week. Um, and, and wanting me just to remind us of, uh, maybe to emphasize and maybe, just maybe, there'll be revelation for us as well. Um, that these, these are not just ideas, but these are things which, which will be embedded in us. And maybe change the way that we interact with the Lord. Um, so, I mean, a little metaphor here. Um, forgive me for the farming metaphor, but... Um, you know, in South Africa and you know, in the, or most other dry countries, um, farmers have to obviously store water. They have to try and keep water for the dry months. Um, and typically, there's a couple of ways of doing this. But the two that are most common are that the water comes from the ground or the water comes from the sky. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? 
You know, so the best farms are those that have a fountain, that have a spring. Or you can have a windmill if you've got, if you've got a good consistent wind and you can pump the water out the ground. And then a, you know, a good farmer will build a reservoir, like we see around us in Indiana. But you build a concrete reservoir, something to store the water. So if ever there is a, an issue with that fountain, you'll have water. But normally what happens with fountains is they just don't produce enough water. You know, it's not quick enough. So you have to produce something strong and, you know, that, that can contain the water, that you have what you need when you need it. And of course, the other way we get water is through rain. And often in South Africa, it comes in absolute downpours, so like three months of the year, and then it's dry for another, the next nine months. And so farmers have to build really big dams in order to have sufficient water to water the crops and to, and to water the animals. Um, and as we, as we think about the Holy Spirit, as we think about being filled with the Spirit, um, over the last few months, yeah, I've been talking about, it was almost a year now, we've been talking about the living water that Jesus promises us. And Jesus says it's like a fountain that will be in us in John 4. And in John 7, he says it's like a river that will flow out of us, that will bubble up out of us to those around us. And I've also talked, obviously, about Pentecost, and we've talked about being a post-Pentecost people. Um, and, I, and I didn't talk about this before, and I didn't kind of try and gauge you know, um, your experiences. But, but quite often when we think about being filled with the Spirit, we typically will emphasize the kind of Pentecost experience, which is acceptable, it's, like, you know, it's understandable, because that's you know, the center of the gospel where we have the Holy Spirit arriving at Pentecost. It's, it's central, isn't it, to the explosion of the church. And so we can, we can sometimes get fixated on this idea that, that if we're going to be filled with the Spirit, if we're going to have this sort of authentic experience of the Holy Spirit, then we need to have this crazy power encounter. Because that's, how, that's what being filled with the Spirit looks like. Hey, Josh and Amanda, you're out. Nice to see you guys. Um, so good to see you. Um, so if we think, um, so we have John 4, we have John 7, where we have where Jesus talks about the fountain and the river. We have Acts 2 with Pentecost. We have Acts 10 with Cornelius, where the Holy Spirit comes in the room and fills everyone. Um, and then we also have Acts 19 with the Ephesians, where they are baptized and then baptized in the Spirit as well. You know, so we, we see the Holy Spirit operate in that way, but we also have the words of Jesus, which are more about something happening within us than just being external. Um, and of course, both of these things are the Holy Spirit. He works in both ways. And actually, I want to talk more about, I want to talk a little bit more about, the, about that, that inner, um, I believe that's what the Lord wants, us, wants me to share about tonight. It's more about that river of life, more about that fountain. Um, but I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, let me share two stories. Um, just to kind of get our hearts in the right place. So one of my favorite stories of that, um, that sort of explicit external presence of God manifesting um, comes from um, Heidi Baker's ministry in, in Mozambique. Um, this didn't involve Heidi, it involved one of her, uh, or a couple of her Mozambican pastors um, who were sent to ministered to this village um, and so they, they have a platform and they're busy preaching the gospel and the people are pretty receptive but at the back of the crowd there's actually like two or three witch doctors who are explicitly praying against them while they are preaching the gospel 
which makes my job feel a lot easier, doesn't it? You know, um, they're literally being opposed by the demonic. You know, it's not subtle. Um, and they, they kept preaching, and they realized this opposition, and, they, and one of the leaders has cried out to the Lord for help to intervene. And as they prayed, this cloud appeared in the sky and fell upon the group of people. And it was so thick like a fog that you couldn't see more than a few yards. And after a while, the cloud lifted. And they said that every single person, including the witch doctors, were on their knees repenting of their sin because they had encountered the glory of God. They encountered the reality of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. That external, explicit presence of God overcoming all opposition. And yesterday I was reading, you know, I'd, I'd talk, I, you know, maybe we all have our sort of fav favorite um, pastors of old and evangelists, and, and I often talk about Smith Wigglesworth. Um, He's just such an inspiration to me, the way that he loved God and the way that he was a friend of God. But there's also a small part which I believe I really like about him in that he started his ministry when he was 48. And I'm 47. So he always gives me hope. You know, it's not too late, Jonathan, to like, you know, experience God powerfully. <laughs> and I was reading, reading this story. Um, he, he was in, he was coming over from the UK and he was in... Um, in Washington DC, you know, holding one of his rallies like he did. Um, and the, the, these two parents brought their daughter who had been lame since birth. So she came in on crutches and they put her at the front of the meeting. And then, you know, Smith called people to the front who wanted prayer and he saw her try to get up and he said, he said, no, just wait. And he said, you will leave a different girl. And he just declared that over her. And then he prayed and people got healed and you know, the Lord was amazing. Um, and then once everyone had been prayed for, he went down to this girl. And, um, and he, <laughs> he just said, <laughs> he just said in Jesus' name, be healed. And then he said to her, are you afraid? And she said, yes. <laughs> and he just said, don't be afraid. You're healed. Walk. And can you imagine someone who's never walked? No muscles. Or very small muscles. No coordination. And she trusts and she steps out. And it takes her a while. She walks more like a newborn, like a toddler. But she walks up and down the stage. And then she walks out of the meeting. Restored. And <laughs> I read that story and you think, <laughs> you think about Jesus meeting this person who had such a great need. And in that moment, the kingdom of God meeting that need, Jesus meeting that girl. But you know, what is as striking is, is Smith's confidence. And that, you know, I've, I've talked about this verse several times, but that verse where Peter says to the layman, what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Stand up and walk. I see that same attitude in Smith. That he knew Jesus and he knew the one that he represented and he knew the one that wanted to heal. And so out of him came this power of Jesus to heal. 
And I wonder, I wonder how your hearts respond to those stories. Um, mine can go all over the place. You know, and I've, and I've talked, and I've, you know, in conversations with people over the years, we, we, we can say things, well, that only happens overseas, you know, and that story in Mozambique, but of course, Smith operated in the first world. Um, or we might say, well, you know, this is for the kind of the great men or great women of God. And there's no way to back that up in the Bible. You know, do we disqualify ourselves is it, or is it so far out, out of our, off our kind of radar, it's not, it's not something that we even think about? Or does it start to stir something in us? Does it, does it start to stir something of a hunger in us to see him move more through us? And over our communities. What would it look like if we prayed and a fog came over Marion <laughs> and people started repenting of their sins? Like it's conceivable, isn't it? How do we respond? Everything you know, I've been saying over the last few weeks has, has been trying to just remind us and stir in us again the centrality of the Spirit. The centrality of the Spirit, that he's not, that he's not that optional extra. He's not the crazy uncle. He is, he is the culmination of Jesus' plan. The fulfillment of his plan. That after his resurrection, the Holy Spirit would be sent. After his ascension, the Holy Spirit would be sent. It's his, what his death allowed him to do. That his Spirit could be united with man. And the Spirit is... Powerful. He's powerful. When you read the accounts of Luke, th- these are these are Jesus's last words in Acts. Okay, the very last words he spoke to his disciples. You know, and, and if, if it was me, I would want my last words to be really important, like the final thing I say to you. I want you to really know that this matters, Trevor. Okay, fix this in your heart. Do you know what I mean? It's not some random afterthought. Don't forget the Coca-Cola, you know? I don't know what they had. They didn't have Coca-Cola. But this is what Jesus says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He talks about two things. He talks about the witness of the church to Jesus, the expansion of the church, the expansion of the kingdom, that we will be witnesses to Jesus. But the other thing that he talks about, the thing that is absolutely required for that to take place, is that we will meet this Holy Spirit of power. We can't do that second thing if we don't have the first thing. We just can't. And these are Jesus' final words. When Paul writes to the Ephesians, and you know, when... (laughs) I could have read all of Ephesians for tonight's sermon, actually, because it's such a bold, beautiful sermon about the promises that we have and our position in Christ. And the wonderful thing about Ephesians is that there's very little correction in it. It starts with these first few chapters are, are, are just a wonderful praise of our place in the kingdom. 
So when Paul's writing to Ephesians, he's not correcting their errors. He's not saying you need to be filled with the Spirit. He's talking to people who are filled with the Spirit, who are faithful. And he says to him in 3.16, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. According to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might to the spirit in the inner man. That is his prayer over the Ephesians. And that literal translation is to become mighty by his power. It's the literal translation, to become mighty by his power. That we become mighty by his power. And so the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit can be given to us. Um, I remember he, he can come in these amazing experiences. I remember being so encouraged a few years ago when I was listening to Bill Johnson preach. And you know, he was in his, I think, early 50s, you know, somewhere around there. And, and, he, and this is a man I really respect, a man who's seen lots of miracles, who's seen God move powerfully. And he said, I've never felt, I've never been sort of overcome by the Spirit. Never been slain in the Spirit, to use the common expression. Obviously, he's encountered the Lord a lot. He's heard the Lord a lot. But he'd never have that powerful encounter. And then, you know, one day he, he did. But that wasn't his history with God. And I know, you know, there have been times in my life where I've been, I've been jealous. I've been jealous of people who have had these really powerful encounters. I was speaking to someone just a few weeks ago, and they, they're kind of charismatic. They're not particularly charismatic. They kind of go in that direction. But a few years ago, the Holy Spirit smacked them. They didn't really believe in the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit smacked them, and they were on the floor for 45 minutes, absolutely paralyzed. Couldn't move. And, and this person's spent the last few years wrestling with what the heck was that? But they met God powerfully. I mentioned a friend of mine, maybe a year or two ago, he, um, he lives in D.C., really one of the brightest men I know, one of the most capable, accomplished men I know. He's also just huge. He's like, the life just goes well for him. He's really, he's had problems with pride in the past. And he encountered God, and he went to a meeting, and this guy who's six foot four and weighs, I don't know, 300 or whatever pounds, God just picked him up and threw him a couple of rows back in the church, on his back and said, I am more powerful than you. You know, I'm in charge. And I hear those stories and I, I want them. You know, I want to encounter God. Um, and God loves to move like that because he does it all the time to so many people. But going back to, going back to the analogy of the water, it so often happens Unfortunately, too often that, that I've met people that have powerful encounters. And it's, it's like a, a, a dam that is built that can't withstand the, a torrential downpour. Actually, this happened to, to Cass' uncle who illegally, illegally built a dam on his river. <laughs> he does that a lot. Um, and it held out for about 10 years. Amazing. Uh, amazing dam. Uh, him, he and his brother built it. Structurally, it was pretty sound. Until one year, it just wasn't strong enough. And they had torrential rain more than they normally do, and the, and the dam broke. 
And so often what we see when the Lord moves like that, and, you know, and it's his choice and he moves, but unfortunately for him, you know, he's, he's pouring himself into broken vessels. And quite often we might have something of a dam, something of a history with him where his spirit will flow, but too often those damn walls that we might have that we think are sound actually are full of cracks because they're parts of our lives that we haven't given to him. There might be sin in our lives that we haven't sorted out. There might be just pain, strongholds. And so that rain falls, but then the dam breaks. You know, sometimes we're just fickle. Sometimes we're just human. But that's... um, I said, don't get me wrong, I, I, will, I will love it if the Lord chooses to smite me at some stage. All of us, you know, that we have those powerful encounters, that we meet him in that way. I think that's an amazing thing. But I really believe the Lord wanting to emphasize that the surer way and the stronger way and the better way is the way that builds the reservoir around that fountain. Tyler and um, Joe and I, a few weeks ago, went to a lake in southern Indiana, which was so clean that even Tyler swam swam in it. I've never seen Tyler swim. It was a remarkable sight. And this lake is is like clear down to like 20 feet or more in Indiana. It's weird. And what we found out was that the house we were staying in was actually owned by the guy who built this lake. And there was a small spring, and, and he decided one day he wanted a lake, and so he built a wall. And he waited. And I think it was about 15 or 20 years until the water reached his lake house. And now he has a house on the lake. But he was patient. And it's exquisite. <laughs> and I think that that is what God is really wanting to remind us of tonight. Is, and so much of what we've been talking about, about abiding in him. And seeking that living water. All of this is about building that, that reservoir, that capacity con- to contain more and more of him. And more and more of him in a healthy way so that if he does move, and when he does move, in more power, we, we don't fall apart. That we are a place where he doesn't just arrive, but he stays. And I mean us as individuals, but us as a community as well. And really, and I've said this every time I've preached, so I'm just going to say it in a little bit more detail tonight. I've just got about three more things to say. But this this grows out of intimacy. Okay, and it grows out of time with him. Every single couple in this room knows you have no relationship if you don't spend time together. Or not no, but it doesn't do well, does it, Lisa? You need time with each other. And I just want to remind us, because I know we, we know that Jesus did this, but I just want to remind us of some of the scriptures where Jesus sets this model for us. In Luke 5, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In Luke 6, Jesus went out to a mountain, mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Matthew 14. After Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up onto a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was still there alone. 
Matthew 15, Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee and he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And Jesus' own words to us in Matthew 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus sets us this model of intimacy, of being alone with God. Um, and of course I can tell you, I can say go be alone with him. Um, and, I, and, I, and I really, really, really did want to come and, and have a list of 10 things that you could do. Okay, I wanted to be a real, you know, good American and, and give you 10 steps. Um, but I've only got like three things. But they, and they're not really practical, practical, but they're really important. Okay, and this is, these are the three things that I really felt the Lord wanting to emphasize. The first, and not surprising, that, that, that S word, Tyler, surrender. Um, but another way of thinking about this is emptying. That we have to empty ourselves. If we want to be filled, then the Spirit has to have something to fill. And if our life is full of us, if it's full of rebellion, if it's full of our agenda, if it's full of things that we control, then there's very little room for Him to move. And so it's, it's not just about... Um, it's not just about going and being quiet with the Lord and making time. That's absolutely what I'm talking about. But the point is that also that we take him with us when we go out of that place. And so that this idea of emptying ourselves, it's not just that we've surrendered our sin and we've surrendered our brokenness. But we surrender those places that we haven't allowed him access to. And we bring him into the places that maybe we hadn't thought he wanted to be in. In our work in our friendships, in our, in our struggles, you know, um, in our sin. But we, but we bring him into everything. Empty ourselves of the right to be in charge. And then if we are empty and he starts to fill us and we allow him into more and more and more parts of our lives, we will grow in intimacy with him. We will become more familiar with him. And the more that we allow him to speak, the more that he will speak. It's the first thing, empty ourselves. The second and third thing, guys, these are so obvious, so forgive me if, um, if, you, if I don't know if I can communicate this, okay. But the second thing is faith. Um, <laughs> faith in Jesus. Okay, which we all have. <laughs> I know this is really simple. But what the Lord's been pressing on me over and over again recently is that when I am choosing to go and spend time with Him, I need to get out of my mindset that I'm kind of doing some, some sort of act and, and, and maybe he, he will be there to knowing that it is His commitment and it is the reality that it is his desire to meet me. And to have faith that if I set time alone, he is there. I don't have to feel anything. I don't have to hear his voice. That's what faith is. That I will have faith that he is there. And even if I don't feel anything or hear anything, that he is working something in me. And maybe you'll sit down and, and you'll just start weeping. I don't know, that's been happening to me a lot. 
I don't know, and I don't even know why, but he's doing something. And maybe he will speak, and maybe you will feel something. That's awesome. But there, there, there's, a, there's, an, there's an increased revelation that I believe he wants to give us that he is there. I know that's so simple. I don't know how else to say it, that he is there. And the third thing, the third thing is the same with the Spirit. So Jesus promised to us is that if we ask the Father for his Spirit, he will give it to us because he is a good Father. We have the guarantee of that gift being given to us, the gift of the Spirit. And so the third thing is as we go to spend time with the Lord, as we go to meet with him, as we go to talk to him, as we go just to sit in his presence, and that's something I've been trying to do, is not to expect anything, but just to sit. No agenda. Just to sit. Flip, it's hard. <laughs> but just to sit. But the Lord's, the Lord's been pressing on me this, this reality that he didn't die and say, I'll send my spirit to you. So that on the off chance one day when you're praying, he might enter the room and do something. Like, that's not his promise. His promise is that he is in me. And he's in you. Just remind you of the words that Jesus said in John 14. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. Forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you. And, and again, I don't know how to say this in a different way except to pray and ask and just ask for increased revelation that, that the, the Spirit of Jesus is in you. And so when you go to meet the Father and this, this, this promise that Jesus made that He and the Father would come and make their home in us, that we're, we're not going and we're not begging and waiting, oh, maybe the Lord will come, maybe He'll meet us, but to believe that this very Spirit of God, the one who is greater than all of creation, He is in you. And the Spirit of God in you is desiring to speak to the Father. And He desires to communicate the Father's heart to us. And He desires to reveal Jesus. And that's what Jesus said he would. It's really pretty simple. And I know I'm repeating so much of what I've said before. But I think what Matt prayed before the service was right, that what he felt the Lord saying was, just wait. So it would be so easy for me to do a sermon on speaking in tongues or unity in the Spirit or Spirit of discernment. Or God doesn't want us to have more information that's going to, that's going to hit our brain okay, and stop there. As we talk about the gifts, as we talk about activation, He, he wants, he wants his, his words to be landing on soil that is good, that is ripe. He wants, he wants hearts 
and these reservoirs that his water can pour into. I've, I've, I've said in, in the past, and maybe got a few strange looks, but you know, I, 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 I teach a tailor, I teach on Islam, and we say if, you know, if I was gonna design a religion, it would be like Islam, it makes a lot of sense. Make a lot of rules, people abide by them. It's a lot, lot on power and things like that. Worldly power. God did that as well in the Old Testament, didn't he? A powerful kingdom, the law, telling us how to behave, how to live. 700 something odd average laws that people had to follow. That is the normal way religions are set up. And maybe that would make sense to us. Um, you know, and I'm sure there's times where we wish Jesus had just told us more things. Given us a bigger book of the do's and don'ts. But what does he say? Love me. Obey my commandments. And then he says, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And my spirit is going to lead you into all truth. And he asks us to ex expand his kingdom, but he doesn't say my kingdom is like a large army that will cross the globe. He says my kingdom is like a mustard seed. It's not the way I would have done it. But praise God, it's not up to me. Jesus, his way is so deeply and utterly Relational. Wanting us to love him. So, this repeat with a little bit of addition might just be for me, it might just be that I don't have it, it might be that some of you guys don't just have, have it quite yet either, I don't know. But I know God is calling us into more time with him. More time of intimacy. So if nothing else, please try, try and set some time apart, be with him. But don't just say I'm doing this 10 minutes or I'm doing this half hour or I'm doing whatever it is. Do that, but then be expectant that he goes with you in the rest of everything that you do. And walk with him in everything. So let us empty ourselves. Let us empty ourselves and let us give ourselves to the one who is love and the one who desires to fill us. And let us believe with faith that he wants to. Be expectant that he wants to meet us and he will meet us. And finally, if he asks you to do something, then do it. And that could be a huge array of things. But if he says, this is where I want to meet you, this is what I want you to do, then do it. All right, can we pray?
of Jesus, I, I just have the sense that you, you're saying to us just to be, just be seated at your feet. And be willing to, to gaze into your face. That seeking your, your face, seeking intimacy with you, that is your desire for us. That everything else that you would do with us and do through us begins there. Lord, will you, will you forgive us for, um, for our striving? Lord, do you forgive us for where we've hidden behind religious activities? Will you forgive us for when we've hidden behind our intellects and try to understand you rather than know you? Will you forgive us for all those places in our lives where we haven't given you access? And Lord, we pray that you would, you would accept the prayer of our hearts that we would surrender to you. That we empty ourselves of all that is not of your kingdom. And we declare, Lord, that we give you access to all of us, to all our lives. Jesus, forgive us for all the times we've called you king, but we haven't allowed you to rule. So we pray, Lord, that you be enthroned. You be enthroned in our lives. surrender our minds and our hearts and our spirits and our souls all we are Jesus to you Jesus I pray I pray that you will meet us Lord I pray that you will increase intimacy with every one of your sons and daughters in this place that we would be amazed at your desire to meet us 
your willingness to be close to us. And Lord, would you give us a revelation in our spirit of the reality of your presence in us. That power that created all things, that raised Jesus from the dead, the incomparable power of God and Spirit of God is in us. Increase our revelation, Jesus, of who you are. Lord, let our eyes be opened to the reality of who you are and who we are in you. Seated with you in the heavenly realms. We love you, Lord. We ask these things, Jesus, in your precious name.